0: Everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is Yoga Land. Hi, Jason.
1: Hi, Andrea.
0: <laughs> Welcome back.
1: Welcome back to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm back.
0: And the podcast is back too. The
1: podcast is back.
0: Mm-hmm. So we took a little break. We did our January Mind Body reset and we did a bunch of podcasts just within that program. And now I'm starting off this new season with you as my inaugural guest. Are you flattered? I'm Of course I'm flattered. I mean, you should be. I'm totally flattered. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lineup of really just fun, interesting guests this season. You're
1: starting the bar low you'll, <laughs> and you're, you'll build.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, Jeevana Heyman is going to be on, Brett Larkin. I'm going to talk to Sarah Gardner, who, as you know, is the founder of Yoga Reaches Out, which is a big, big fundraiser that happens every year for Boston Children's Hospital. I mean, she's raised millions of dollars over the years of doing this for Boston Children's. They provide all these amazing programs. Um, And you and I are going to teach for Boston, for that event this year, the Yoga Reaches Out event in Boston on April 28th. Yes. So I thought when you and I met with Sarah, she was so interesting and her story was so interesting of how she's grown this... Uh, program over the years. I mean, at this point, Boston Children's has people on staff to manage the event. Like it's that's amazing. how big it is. It's, yeah, what it's in a stadium. Where is it again?
1: I um, it's it's in Gillette Stadium. Okay, it's actually at the Gillette Fieldhouse, which is attached to the Gillette Stadium, which right. is in Foxborough, Massachusetts.
0: Yeah, yeah, Foxborough. So I'm going to talk to her anyway. Lizzie Laster and Judith Laster are coming on soon. Adam Hustler and Holly Hustler. So, we've got a great season coming. And today, we are going to talk to you about
1: why it's so important and how to strengthen your hips in yoga.
0: Great. Yeah. And this actually reminds me this is leading up to you are going to lead your injuries program again injury prevention program.
1: Yeah, how to create injuries in yoga. Actually, most yoga, <laughs> We
0: already know how to do Most that.
1: of us are pretty good at that. Yeah. Go hard, go fast. Yeah. No, I am relaunching my Better Way to Flow, preventing injuries and managing injuries in the yoga room. And I'm super excited about it. It's going to be available February 20th. Like the last several online trainings I've done, there'll be two options. There'll be people that want essentially office hours to come with it. And then there'll also be an option for people that just want to be able to have access to all the recorded content. But it's to me, it's to me, it's a really, really integral training because not only do we cover like this incredible range of injury prevention and management, but we also spend a lot of time looking at proper scope of yoga teachers who are not medical providers and how to kind of walk that that, that line in a proper way where we are helping minimize injuries and helping people manage some of the challenges that they have without making claims and without doctoring. Mm -hmm. And even I think just that component is really huge for people because as a yoga teacher, just by the nature of teaching classes, we, we just sometimes find ourselves in situations where we're a, we're a little bit over water. We're not quite sure what to do mm-hmm. with some of people's challenges and what our roles and responsibilities are. So I'm really excited to work on that with everyone. And this conversation today is, is really an offshoot inspiration mm-hmm. from it.
0: Yeah. So just to clarify for everyone, this program will go on sale on February 20th Yeah, and we'll provide all the details. They're not quite there yet. So if you want to get on the wait list, we'll send you the details as soon as they're available. And you can do that at learn.jasonyoga.com slash injuries. And also I have a little testimonial. Can I share my testimonial? Yeah, totally. So <laughs> like I have not had a yoga injury in a very long time because I kind of know my body pretty well, but my body is changing. I'm aging as everyone does. And recently I just had really, really bad knee pain on my inner knee. And I was doing some things to try to help it and it wasn't, wasn't doing anything. And then I went, it was starting to feel a little bit better. And then I went on a four mile walk and I was like at the point yesterday where I could barely walk. I was really upset. It was starting to hurt my, it was starting to create like referred pain up to my outer left glute up to my side body. Again, I tried like gentle movement and rolling and all these things and I was icing last night, hobbling up and down the stairs, and then you healed me.
1: I know. The 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 he prince really walks in.
0: Did. I couldn't believe it. So right before bed, he you kind of felt around, you asked me where the pain was, and then you were massaging the outer What so what were you massaging again?
1: Um yeah, I'll, I will be really quick about this. Sorry, right? I know. I guess all I'm good. sort
0: of leading us on a tangent. Yeah, but,
1: but, but I'll be really quick about this. Um, y- you were experiencing something that is kind of perfect for us in the yoga world to help manage because it was induced by movement. Mm-hmm. You weren't having this like random pain that came out at random times. You weren't waking up in the middle of the night. It wasn't this ongoing malady. It was really associated with you going for long walks. And so- you, I know I had already known that you had tried to troubleshoot it with a few things, but I had also had known that you hadn't tried a couple other things. so I, so I already had a, a bit of an inventory of mm-hmm. knowing what to look for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just addressed tightness in the really in the most lateral quadricep, the vastus lateralis um, and I just worked on it for a little while and it really was and that was it
0: and then I I was like, I was like those old videos of like, "Ah, he healed me. Like, I literally got But there was no magic. I couldn't believe it. So so, go take this guy's training. Okay. So we're going to start today by having you just do a quick definition of terms.
1: Super quick. So I want to lay out what are our hips. Because at first glance, it seems obvious. But one of the biggest challenges when we're working with our hips is that – if you were to take most people off the street or most new students or probably even plenty of experienced students and ask them to touch their hip or touch your hips, what are they gonna do? They're gonna touch the most lateral part of their pelvis or they're gonna touch the outside of their thighs. And that is totally, that is in fact part of the hips. But I wanna make it clear that when I'm talking about strengthening the hips, I'm really talking about the totality of the hip joint which in anatomy world is called the coxal joint. And that coxal joint is a ball and socket, which means it's 360 degrees, it's a full circumference. So if you have a hip, well, right, you you have this 360 degree hip, which means you have 360 degrees of muscles that circumduct it, they go all the way around it. So when we're talking about strengthening the hips, especially in the context of yoga, we're not just talking about strengthening the lateral part of the hip. We're really talking about the full circumference. And I think that the easiest way to take a quick, basic definition-based dive into what are your hips muscularly, is to just realize there's, there's really five compartments that comprise your hips. And in other contexts, I like to go much deeper in this, but we'll be nice and quick. So you have the front of the hip, Which are usually referred to as the hip flexors. There are many, many hip flexors, but the two most common and dominant hip flexors, really three, are the psoas, the iliacus, and the rectus femoris. And these muscles are very commonly in modern culture tight because when we sit, when we sit in pretty much any way, the hip joint is flexed usually at about 90 degrees. Which means the musculature on the front, this first compartment, is short. It's held for long periods of time in a short position. Mm-hmm. So the hip flexors tend to get tight. So we tend to want to stretch them in yoga, which is a sensible thing. But the thing to understand is that what is making them tight sitting is not also making them strong. Yeah. Right? And so when we, so when we go to stretch them out, through various lunges and so forth, right? When you go to open the front of the hip, it's, it's all good, but stretching the front of the hip is not in and of itself also significantly gonna be strengthening that part of the hip. And, and again, like the key to this, if you were a super athlete, if you were like a long distance runner or cyclist and the front of your hip is tight, you probably have tight and strong hip flexors. But if you're like so many of us, that the hip flexors are tight because we sit, they're not also strong. So we have to address strength. Mm-hmm. The next compartment is, is really the inner leg muscles, the adductors. A lot of times people refer to this area as the groin or the groin muscles, right? And these muscles are often, many people don't realize that the inner leg muscles are hip muscles right? Because they're not where colloquially we think of the hips. We think of the outside of the leg. We don't think of the inside of the leg. But the adductors are also muscles that are very commonly, very commonly tight, but very commonly weak because there aren't many things that we tend to do in daily life that makes them strong. So we'll, we'll circle back to that. Then we have our third category, which are really the extensors. So when we're dealing with the extensors, again, there's many muscles involved in this, but we're really talking about our hamstrings and gluteus maximus. Okay. We'll talk more about glute max later, but glute max really plays three, well, it plays many roles, but it it plays three dominant movement-based roles and how it moves the hips. And one of the ways it moves the hips is into extension, Right. So your hamstrings and your glutes work together in extension, and in yoga we love to stretch them, but in yoga we often forget to strengthen them. And if we are regularly applying lengthening stressors to a group of muscles, we also probably need to consider shortening stressors. Right? How to how to strengthen them? So, right? So so we'll talk about this more later. But those hamstrings and those glutes in part as yogis need to be strengthened, or it's a good idea to strengthen them, in part to balance out all of the stretching that we tend to do. Mm-hmm. And then real quick, two more muscle groups. And in, I'm, I'm giving everyone these as if they're distinct compartments, but what we know about the body is everything kind of weaves together in some beautiful interconnected way, right? So these these groups are not 100% distinct, but these are just easy ways to think about them. So the fourth compartment we can really think about has the external rotators. So these live underneath gluteus maximus and their marquee muscle is the piriformis. So piriformis works with five other muscles in there, but these muscles tend to also be incredibly tight and weak for the same reason as the hip flexors, which is what makes them tight sitting all day does not also make them weak. And then finally you have the AB ductors, or I typically call them the lateral stabilizers. And this is the most outer part of the hip. So the the two dominant muscles in this group are gluteus medius and gluteus minimus. So that's just a really quick regional tour. And, And no one has to memorize those things, but when I'm talking about strengthening, like why it's important for these to be strong and some basic ways that we can start to do it better in yoga, I'm talking about the whole circumference. Okay. All of this
0: stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we've got, you're going to talk us through four reasons that strength is important. Yes. Right? For the hips. So what's what's the first one?
1: There are so many reasons, but four kind of like really come to mind, right? Which is, number one is that strength is functional. It helps our hips do what they do in normal life. We come into a yoga practice with oftentimes with a flexibility or wanting to improve range of motion mindset. And, and there's, I am not going to argue against that. I think that is totally sensible. Lengthening the hips and opening up is key, right? To before strengthening the hips doesn't mean we're opposed to lengthening them. But Stretching all of those muscle groups is so baked into what we do already. But if we really think mechanically about what the hips do, like all of these muscles, they're dominant parts of our locomotion system or part of the locomotor system. Yeah. So functionally, their job is to get our body around, mm-hmm. right? And we don't wanna just think like, not to be too, too uh, out there, we don't really wanna just think about hips in this lifetime, we want to kind of think about the evolution of a human and its body and like what the different regions have evolved to do. Mm -hmm. And the hips have evolved to bear our load and move us through town, move Mm -hmm. us around town, move Mm -hmm. us not really town, right? Um, But the hips are really designed to move us. Which means we probably not only want them to be strong, but it also means that we, we might sometimes overvalue extreme ranges.
0: Yeah. That's
1: Especially passive extreme ranges. Mm-hmm. Because if, if my hip is passive
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm taking it through an extreme range, that's fine. I can choose to do that. And if that's my karma and it feels good and my choice, that's that's fine. But it's not what that thing actually does. Like the the hips what they actually do is they've evolved to get you from A to B. They're very different than the shoulders in that way. The shoulders get get the hips get a the hips move our body around. The shoulders Move other things to our body, like the shoulders are part of the hand system that are like going out and getting things and dexterously manipulating objects and bringing things to us. Mm-hmm. But the hips are like moving us to things, mm-hmm. and so just maintaining a certain amount of proficient strength in all of these muscle groups is just was just sensible, right? Right. right. And, and if one of the main things we're trying to do is take care of ourselves then we want to have some sense of what the various parts of our body have evolved to do and mm-hmm. and work with that.
0: Yeah. And as you mentioned, the hips, like because we do tend to sit in chairs a lot. I mean, people now are doing more of the standing desks and the walking desks, which I think is, is really smart, but still we do sit a lot of the time. Our hips are often weaker than we think they are. Right. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the next point, right? Which is, well, why strengthen them? Which is because they're probably weak. Mm -hmm. Like they, they actually just probably are. And I think that this is, I don't think, I know this is something, this was a connection I just didn't make. I for so long just assumed, like in my mind, maybe not only because I was ignorant, but maybe because I came well before yoga from more of like, a little bit more of a strength-based background or an athletic background. In my mind, strength and tightness were associated. Weakness and flexibility were associated, right? I've had to really unlearn that in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. But I was saying earlier that, you know, oftentimes our hip flexors are tight, our adductors are tight, like, All of this stuff is tight. So we want to loosen it up.
0: Well, that's our, what you're saying is that's our instinct. Yes. But actually it's tight and weak.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. So opening it up is great, right? But it's about half of the job, Mm -hmm. right? It's about 50% of what's actually needed in that range. Yeah. Right. And so I think the thing that that finally dawned on me, and I said it already, but I'll say it one more time. The things that are making, for most of us, a general population, the things that are making our hips tight, are not making them strong, right? right? And again, a difference would be if you were a distance runner, if you were, you know, a sprinter, if you, if, if you had like a a professional or or a hobbyist approach to a certain modality that was doing a ton of. Overt strength or endurance training to the hip, and they're tight, they're probably also strong. Mm-hmm. Or they're strong in the patterns that you regularly repeat, but they also might be weak in patterns that you don't regularly repeat. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I was reminded of Jill Miller talking to me about when her mom would come visit her and it was hard for her to um, get on the floor and play with the grandkids, right? Cause she was so used to sitting on the couch or sitting in a chair. And like you said, it's just, when you're moving in different ways, you start to notice where some of the, the weak points are.
1: I, I've told you this story. I'll be really brief, but my brother, Todd, who's done like well over a hundred Ironmans. This was a long time ago, but he had done many, many Ironmans before. Really great shape, strong, all these things. He came to one of my classes one time because he was doing a local Ironman and he came to my beginners class and I thought he was going to die.
0: Huh. That's, it was that's so surprising so to me.
1: Hard for him because he was using because he had a very concentric rhythm based strength profile. Huh. He couldn't hold anything. He didn't have much isometric strength.
0: That's so interesting. And also
1: when you just when you when you challenge the body in a different way,
0: yeah, right? It's really true.
1: It is really true. Yeah.
0: Okay. So the next why it's important is because strength absorbs and distributes stress.
1: Yeah. One of the things you can think, and I I think this is like I, I'm taking a certain liberty with this, but I think it's fair. You can think a little bit about strong hip muscles as having good shock absorbers in your car, Hmm. right? So we have to remember that the mechanical stress that's moving through our hips when we're doing daily life or, you know, whatever other movement things that you choose to do, there's the downward stress of gravity that's being transmitted through the hip joint. I mean, it's being transmitted through all joints, but your body weighs, gravity is there. Mm -hmm. And so like, imagine that you're going for a long walk or you're running or doing something with mobility and agility. You have the gravitational load, but you also have the ground reaction force. So your hips, let me say it in a simple way there's an incredible amount of mechanical stress that gets transmitted through your body when you use it. And when, in the simplest terms, when muscles are weak and or joints are loose, there's, there's less to absorb and distribute and dampen the mechanical stress that gets transmitted through the system, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of like if you were driving fast in like a really old, beat up car. So does you're that gonna make feel you more a
0: tired or does it yes. make you more prone to injury?
1: Probably both. Okay. Probably both, right? It's kind of like, imagine you're in a- Because re- I know
0: that for people with um, hypermobility syndromes, like with you know real diagnosed like Ehlers-Danlos or yeah. syndromes, like one of the ma- major- core symptoms is fatigue. And that is probably due to laxity in the joints.
1: That's likely a component. Yeah, I remember talking to Dr. Brian Lau, who I've talked about on this podcast a lot, but amazing sports medicine doctor, who is a a friend of mine who we've worked together in, in various capacities in Hong Kong. And him talking about when people had either hypermobility disorders or, or weakness, he, he would talk about them as having an insufficient stiffness, mm. right? Like there's not enough stiffness. There's not enough recoil, mm. right? And so kind of, again, I think this is just a, a simple image. Like uh, what's coming to mind My one of my friends had a, when I was 16, he was 18 and he had a really old Volkswagen Rabbit. Do you remember those cars?
0: Yeah, but which friend?
1: Greg. I don't know if okay. you've ever Greg Navisky.
0: Oh, yeah. No, yeah.
1: There, yeah. So he, so first of all, it took like, honestly, it took like 60 seconds to get zero to 60, okay? <laughs> but when you actually got 60 miles an hour, you just felt like you were going a 1,000 miles totally. and an hour and death was in like
0: Those everything. Those cars were like a tin can. Totally. Everything
1: moments. was rattling. You could feel everything, right? And then now just think about being in any semi-decent modern car or take it up a level to something with nice air suspension. I don't want to oversimplify this and say this is just about having strength, but let's get back to the idea that strength distributes and absorbs mechanical forces. So when you have stronger hips or stronger muscles in general, the mechanical stressors that are acting upon the body aren't as concentrated, Mm -hmm. and the body does not like concentrated stress.
0: Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay, the next point is that we love to stretch our hips. Totally, we love it. Totally. So that means we have to counter that by strengthening, right?
1: I think it. I think what it means is it's a pretty. It's or a just pretty like good seek idea. Balance. Yeah. Seek some balance. Yeah, it's a pretty yeah. good idea. Mm-hmm. I I think it's a it's pretty basic, right? But if It's kind of like thinking about like a well-balanced meal, or as you said, just balancing things out. And I think that sometimes, maybe because I'm an advocate for strength and engagement and so forth, that I think sometimes I get interpreted as someone that doesn't appreciate or support passive stretching. And I do. Mm -hmm. I do passive stretching most days. Mm -hmm. But the amount of passive stretching that I do is not really greater than the amount of active strengthening that I do. Mm-hmm. In fact, I probably spend a lot more time doing active strengthening and active stretching mm-hmm. than completely passive stretching. But one of the things that I genuinely have always loved and to this day love about passive stretching as compared to everything else is the tonal quality and the stress reduction, right? Like when I do... A minute or two in pigeon and Pachimotanasana and these things, it calms me down, it soothes me, it grounds my nervous system. It, it, it's it's comforting and self-soothing. So I always, for mechanical reasons and mental emotional reasons, like I always love stretching this stuff. And that to me tells me I need to keep it strong. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna give you like a like a like a really quick. I've given this image to people in my trainings all the time. Imagine if imagine you had a toddler and the toddler came into the room with this pretty like wispy, delicate piece of fabric, right? And was and was pulling on it. Well, if you valued it, you would you'd be like, oh, set that down. Let's not pull on that thing. Because it's delicate. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a whole lot of resilience. It doesn't have a whole lot of stress absorption. But imagine that that same toddler came in, came in, and was like pulling on a Theraband. You wouldn't be worried about the fabric, right? You might be worried that the kid's gonna like smack himself in the head accidentally with, mm-hmm. with the thing. But when you have stronger materials, they tend to withstand greater forces and also greater errors. When you have Weaker materials, you, you don't have the same grace, hmm. right? And okay. so, and so keeping, keeping the stuff that we love to stretch strong is just a straightforward, simple, sensible idea.
0: Okay. So can you define what you mean by strength?
1: Oh, yes. Okay. This is really difficult, but I'm going to do it. So there are different- a,
0: there are a couple different kinds of strength.
1: Yeah. Let's be the simplest- and to say there's there's really three different primary types of – it's not really strength, but different types of engagements. Okay. Okay? Or different types of contraction. So you have isometric contraction. So essentially the simple way to think about this is the muscle or muscles that you're engaging are active. They're firing. They're working. But they're not changing length. This happens a ton in yoga. Kind of think about you're in you're in warrior 2 for 30 seconds. The arms are reaching out to the side, the legs are working, everything's working like you feel your body engaging. But you're not but those muscles once you're in the pose, they're not changing length, right? They're not getting shorter, they're not getting longer. The joints aren't moving. But those muscles are working. That's just the simplest way to think about isometric strength. Mm-hmm. There are very technical ways to describe these forms of strength, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that off to another context and just be, be serviceable on this. Then you also have concentric strength, okay? And that's what we're going to talk a little bit more about when I'm talking about the what's, like what are the things that we can do to strengthen these things. I'm going to talk a little bit more about concentric today. Concentric, we can envision, imagine someone doing a a bicep curl, and they're holding a dumbbell, their elbow's straight, they're bending their elbow, and they're they're curling the -hmm. dumbbell. That muscle is working, it's firing, it's contracting, and it's getting shorter as it's contracting, right? So that is concentric. So the most common concentric, not to be too confusing, but the most common concentric phase of what we do in yoga is like transitional movements. It's like the getting into the poses, but this is kind of tricky because usually with body-based strengthening, one part of the body as you're working is concentric. The other part is eccentric. Yep. So, so concentric, again, just think about the bicep curl mm-hmm. and the biceps eccentric, you can think about a slow, imagine, imagine you're doing your heaviest bicep curl, right? As you're bending the elbow and bringing the weight towards the shoulder, that's the concentric phase, but the eccentric phase, you don't just drop it, right? I mean, a lot of times in like CrossFit or some other power training, they drop weights a lot, Hmm. oftentimes because they're working on like one rep maximums. But imagine, so you do like one like really explosive thing and then you drop it, right? But we'll stay away from that. That's a different protocol. Let's say you're just like old school, you're doing 12 repetitions of bicep curls. When you're lowering that weight down, you're not just dropping it. You're, You're like slow controlled descents and that slow controlled descent, those biceps are still working, but they're getting longer. Right, right, Mm -hmm. and we actually do that a lot in yoga as well. So those are the different types of contraction. Strength is a little bit more complicated. I would say that strength is like a healthy, functional combination of all of those phases and capacities, and also the the uh, the one other quick thing I just I want to throw in about strength is. No muscle in and of itself is ever that strong. Where bodies are strong is when everything works together well. Mm -hmm. So, functional integrated movements of bodies where the totality of all of those groups have good muscular ability to work, and then all of that stuff working together to me is strength.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. So so how do we do it? So how do we get our hips nice and strong?
1: <clears throat> let's remember, but let's do two, two quick caveats. Number one, strength in this context is profoundly unlikely to make you tight. So if you are already a yoga practitioner and you're already stretching X, Y, and Z, adding some more strengthening to X, Y, and Z, is not going to decrease your flexibility. At very least, it's going to keep it the same. At very least, it's not going to make you tighter. But strengthening what you're making more flexible is actually going to probably also help make it more flexible. That's caveat number one before we go into this. Caveat number two, I don't know how you could teach any contemporary approach to any form of Hatha yoga without also stretching a lot which means the things that i'm just going to include are just really simple things to integrate into what you're already doing so i i don't want i don't want the listener to be like oh my god i have to do all this stuff different no these are just like think about these as like really simple strengthening supplements in poses that are probably already there that are really good at creating strength in these regions okay, okay compartment number 1 hip flexors okay full boat pose so a lot of times people will do full boat pose or paripurna navasana and expect it to be more in the abdominals but really full boat pose where you're where you're more upright and where you're you're lifting your legs and you're lifting your torso and you're kind of pulling your chest upright and you're, you're keeping that spine long and neutral and kind of puffing the, lifting the chest and lifting the legs, that full version. yes. That's almost entirely hip flexors. Mm-hmm. almost entirely. And one of the quick things to remember about strength, just to keep it simple in this context, is you need a pretty decent amount of repetition unless you're doing like maximal effort. So when you're talking about strengthening the body through its own body weight like the things we do in yoga you need to really honor reps. You okay. need to do a lot of them. Okay. So you remember in, in Ashtanga how they do like the five navasanas? Yeah. In primary series and then cross the legs and kind of Jump do that like with, lo, lo, yeah. like uh, low navasana.
0: Gosh, I barely remember it but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah.
1: a smart little gig. Okay. So that that just sneaking those in, and there's so many places to sneak in. Like I don't actually la- love to do just just a core section, and really hip flexors are part of the core. Mm-hmm. But any kind of boat to then like push press the hands down into the floor and try to lift your butt, that's going to be minimally abdominal and maximally hip flexor. So okay. those work really well. Another thing that I use all the time, and this is, things like this are used all the time to strengthen hip flexors, even out of yoga. So more in like a fitness context, and they call them like climbers or running mans. But in yoga, down dog to one-legged plank to knee bending towards the elbow. So imagine I'm in, imagine I'm in, Mm-hmm. One legged down dog with my right leg up. Yeah. I come forward into one legged plank and I bend my right knee towards the outside of my right tricep or mm-hmm. upper arm. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people will also like do the one legged down dog to plank to bend the knee into the chest, round the spine. Yeah. Kind of tuck the ch- chin towards chin towards knee, knee towards chin. Yep. Those work too. Um, but I like the isolation of knee towards that outer elbow. Okay. And and again, th- both of these things are really simple and easy to route through like a flow. So especially if you're already doing crescent lunges or Asana lunges, do a few repetitions of those, like slow, smooth, progressed, make your students hold that knee to the outside of the upper arm or as close mm-hmm. as it can come to it for- three breaths for four repetitions, and th- that will work. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I actually love those, those series because they do feel very strengthening.
1: Totally. And then the final one for this is reclined leg stretch. So hasta And And the way we would do this is we would do it without a belt or without the hands connecting to the leg. So a lot of times we'll use this as like a simple reclined hamstring stretch. And it's totally fine to do this for the hamstrings. But if you lay on your back, straighten one leg towards the floor, towards the front of your mat, and then take the other leg and straighten it up towards the ceiling, that is all hip flexor strength. Hmm. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of variations I teach in my trainings from there but this is also another really good thing to do early in a sequence, just to kind of warm those up. There's plenty of other things, but I just kind of wanted to stick to each one of these of like three, like two to four good ideas of things that I think are really immediately applicable that we can put in.
0: For each compartment. Yeah, for each okay. compartment.
1: So that's hip so flexor. N-
0: that was hip flexors. So next compartment is adductors, inner legs.
1: Yeah, adductors actually, to me, are the trickiest of all of these.
0: Yeah, they really are.
1: They really are because- Okay, so let let me let me make a really important point without, like, being a like limiting my crazy person. The adductors don't just adduct; the adductors also flex and also extend the hip. So your adductors have they are multi; they're like a a multi purpose tool, right? So to strengthen the adductors, you don't actually just need to adduct. When you are strengthening your hip flexors, when you're doing hip flexor strengthening, you are strengthening the flexor part of the adductors. And when we get to sure. strengthening the extensors, right. I'll focus on kind of It's kind of
0: like you were saying before, like none of these are just yeah. in complete isolation. Yeah. Right.
1: But, but in terms of the adductors working as adductors. The challenge, but you can, we'll we'll surmount it, is you have to squeeze something. Yeah. And so a lot of times what people will use these days outside of the yoga world are those weighted medicine balls, Mm -hmm. right, and those work really, really nicely because you have different weights plus this like a little bit of something, they have girth to them. Mm -hmm. Um, But in yoga, blocks work really well.
0: You know who hates the block squeezing classes? You? Miss Chelsea Adams.
1: Yeah, I can imagine.
0: She's like, if I tell her, oh, I went to so-and-so's class this week, it was, because you know, a lot of people now do what you suggest, like the the week-long curriculum. Oh, we were squeezing blocks. She's like, I'm not going. Not going this week. Not doing it.
1: (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. No one likes it when it's happening.
0: Yeah. You have to
1: see kind of the... the
0: Actually, I might be one of those weird people that does. You want to know why? Because I spent so many years um, in ballet doing turn, like trying to accomplish turnout that we really didn't. I had really, really weak adductors and turning my feet in. I mean, it took me years. Like you didn't know me when I had to learn to kind of turn my feet in while I walked. It felt so odd. It really was yoga that helped me start to do that. And I didn't like the feeling of it. And so squeezing a block gave me a really good sense of sensory feedback where it was oh, like, good. oh, okay, I get it. I get. I understand how to stand mm. on my legs. Mm. I mean, it sounds crazy.
1: We did so much block squeezing in the Iyengar world.
0: I think you were one of the main people who helped, like, taught me that early on.
1: And you know what? That was back in the day when the when there weren't these, like, cheesy foam blocks.
0: I know, you did you the wood like, ones. If you were upside ones. down, you'd they it falling cor- on your they head. They were not
1: cork, they were wood. I don't know how they were that heavy. They were like
0: They were leaden so heavy. And hard. So heavy. Yeah. Not even like the light wood ones, they were like dark wood. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they were probably like, uh, it's like a mahogany or
0: something. <laughs> That's
1: what they felt like. Yeah, the, world, the old school hangar world's going can to get canceled for their <laughs> environmental stance. <laughs> Um but, but, anyway, so squeezing a block and and the you can do this in a lot of things, okay, so, so I'm gonna give multiple ideas. So one of the things is, and you can also go multiple widths. I would, in most situations go the medium width or the maximal width because i I like those blocks like to squeeze it. I like the femurs to be about hip width apart, yep, and you would put it. Just inside the knee. So think about a long lever. Don't put it closer to the pubic bone. Put it closer to the knee. Yeah. Though not like completely against the medial part of that femoral condyle because it'll be uncomfortable. But as close to the knee as is comfortable for you, it's a longer lever and you'll get a better squeeze than if you put it like against the pubis.
0: As a short person, the maximal width would never work for me. I would just, my hips are smaller. Fair enough. So I mean, they don't look smaller, but they are. Um, So yeah, the medium- is a good a good kind of neutral.
1: So you can do Utskatasana for like days with this thing. Bridge pose, you can do. Bridge pose, you know, I've really shifted away from feet being hip width apart and bridge. Like I like the feet wider, like a lot wider. But as a, str- so this isn't like, Okay, the only way to do these things. We're 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 doing the block squeeze and we're using the block to strengthen the adductors, not because that's how you always have to do the pose. Mm-hmm. But bridge pose with it is really, really nice. One legged bridge pose with a block between the inner thighs. I should is, probably
0: be doing some of that. But, but I, the, that the leg that lifts nauseated.
1: the leg that lifts doesn't go straight towards the ceiling, it goes parallel to the ground.
0: Mm. Okay. Okay. Mm.
1: and then plank pose, and then any reclined core strengthener that you do with a block, right? Whether it's like um, like an old school kind of crunch, whether it's-
0: Yeah, I, I gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And the, the I think the other thing that works is when you do side angle pose and you put the hand inside the knee. To, to a block or to the floor. So side angle pose, you take the hand inside okay. the leg. Mm-hmm. I usually prefer it on the outside, but if I want to really work the adductors, again, I, the point on this is you have to, if you're wanting to work the adductor, the squeezing in part of the squeezing in muscles, you have to put something there to squeeze against. So your arm inside the leg and side angle, you just squeeze the 30 seconds you're there. Okay. Yeah, all of those work really, really nicely.
0: Okay, Okay, so now I'm, we're moving on to the extensors.
1: Yeah, we're moving on to the extensors. And, and let, me, let me pause for a moment. And let me, let me talk briefly about gluteus maximus, briefly. Okay, the thing that we have to understand about gluteus maximus is, number one, nothing good in our life happens as a result of gluteus maximus being weak. Gluteus maximus being weak is like the lats being weak. It's not good. And the reason it's not good, part- it's not good when anything is weak, right? But but the gluteus maximus is a major coordinator of the entire hip joint because it, it, it covers and blends into to the hamstring compartment, the external rotator compartment, and the abductor compartment. So gluteus maximus is like kind of the captain, if you will. Um, the psoas kind of is too, but we just take for, well, let's, let's pause on that. Um, point being, gluteus maximus is it's really important for it to be strong and functional. Meaning it, if I ask it to do something, it, it can respond to that request. The gluteus maximus is a triplanar muscle which means it works with the hamstrings to extend the hip to pull back. It works with the external rotators, so piriformis and company, to externally rotate the thigh. And it works with the abductors to abduct the leg. So it's just important that when we think about gluteus maximus, we see it as this kind of chameleon that works with The extensors, the external rotators, and the abductors. So these last three compartments. Okay. So the extensors, right? Hamstrings and gluteus maximus. These muscles are so integral to having a healthy functional hip joint and a healthy functional lower back and a healthy functional sacroiliac joint, and again... I am in no way indicting the reality that we stretch these things a lot but it is in part because we stretch them so much in yoga that we want to be doing things that keep them strong there are for all of these muscles there are ways there are ways to keep these muscles engaged while we're stretching them but uh, like a couple really incredibly useful Uncentric strengtheners for hamstrings and glutes that are giveaways in yoga. Number one, everyone here at anyone that listens and has done my trainings, they know locust. Yep. One legged locust, right? So there's a lot of different variations of locust, but locust does it really well. But I also really like one legged, one armed versions of locust. So imagine everybody I'm laying face down
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I, raise my right leg up behind me. And it goes like a millimeter up (laughs) because I'm not strong there. Yeah. And also because I'm tight on the front side. Mm -hmm. So this is not a big range, low range, high demand. So I lay face down, I lift the right leg. So my right butt and my right hamstrings are working. I lift my chest and I reach my left arm forward. So I'm-
0: So opposite arm and leg.
1: Opposite arm and leg. Mm -hmm. Doing repetitions of this in the short term is unfun. It's not that
0: hard. It's not very sexy.
1: It's not very sexy. No one's going to be like, oh my God, we did this awesome pose today. <laughs> I lifted an arm and I'm like, but in terms of like <laughs> functional value, put this in so that you can do the other things that are a little bit more exciting and fun. Yep. I also like locust with, well, let's, let's pause on that one. I call it awful Natarajasana. And I have a whole series of these. So, dancer's pose, those of you that don't think of Natarajasana, dancer's pose, right? Dancer's pose slash Natarajasana without using the arm or a strap to hold the foot. It's terrible. Do not ever literally make sure there's no camera in the room. Do not film yourself. <laughs> Do not see yourself. Unless you are a professional ballerina right. or a professional ice skater, mm-hmm. you don't want to see it.
0: It's so bad.
1: It's so bad. It's ugly.
0: Yeah.
1: It's hard. You will feel questionable about yourself and your decisions in life. Um, but it is so good at strengthening those muscles. And then you can also do two other quick things, which is similar to that awful Natharajasana. Bow pose, right? So you laid face down, you reach back, you lift the chest, you bend the knees, you lift the legs, but you don't hold the feet.
0: That's a good one.
1: It's so good.
0: It's a really good one.
1: And I think think what you have to do, if you're a teacher and you want to start incorporating these, you have to qualify the value of it. You have to be like, hey, we're not going to do this all class, but I'm going to start to add a few more of these in just because they're really good at strengthening us And that's going to help us not only have a body that works well, but that's going to help us actually move a little deeper into poses. You know what I mean? Like however you want to sincerely like polish it up a little bit. Um, And then bridge pose, this is pretty common. I I feel like people already do this, but bridge pose with the cue of drawing the heels towards the butt. So, So So I come into bridge and, and, as I, and I create the action with my feet as if I'm dragging my yoga mat towards my pelvis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that will lock into the hamstrings really nicely.
0: So an, that's an isometric, like, you're not actually moving the feet, you're just... That's correct. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. okay, so that was hamstring-focused, although as you said in the beginning, like, glutes are going to fire there too. What about more glute-focused? So I think the
1: first thing, and we're not going to spend time on this podcast justifying it because it's, I just feel like it's been so many years. They're just, we don't need to qualify why. Um, use your glutes when you do backbends.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, let me put it, let me put it in a, in really, really simple terms, like non-invasive terms that I think are sensible for everyone. I'll put it this way. Most people derive a healthy benefit by using their glutes in most backbends. And of course you have to like let yourself decide, but in the same way that you're going to engage your deltoids when you do down dog and handstand, like you know, we don't need to be like, well, why would you engage your delt? Because that's what they actually do. So the, the glutes extend the hips. That's the dominant feature That's one of the two dominant features of a backbend is that the hips extend. And the glutes are kind of the main thing that do it. So to be in the habit of engaging your glutes and backbends is really good because there's already a lot of backbends. Another great pose is, and I brought this up earlier, so you could do double duty, one-legged bridges. Right. If you did one-legged bridges... With a block between the thigh. And you're with a block between your thigh, you're not gonna be able to straighten a leg towards the ceiling. So you just pick one foot up off the ground and straighten it forward. So your thighs stay parallel. This single thing is such a good add-on because you're getting external rotate, you're getting you're getting strength in the inner legs, the hamstrings, the glutes, and actually even in the outer hips. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Then the final thing that I like to just slip in is locust. Like I said earlier, you know, in locust, m- most teachers most of the time will have, will t- tell their student in locust pose to keep their thighs parallel to each other and internally rotate them. Yeah. I want to say that's not wrong, but it's also not more right. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that you can do, if, especially to get to the glutes. And the external rotators, because they're going to be working together in all of these that I've just spoken of, is to do locust with and bring the inside of the feet together.
0: Like so heels, locust, you mean what's that? You mean the heels together?
1: No, the yeah, so it's going to be the base of the big toes and the inner heels. Okay, so locust with essentially like almost like turnout.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah, yep.
1: it's so good.
0: No fun. Yeah, yeah I because try it, that.
1: it gets really good strength of glutes and all the external rotators.
0: Yeah, it's been so long since I've really worked my turnout. I should try it again.
1: Yeah. So finally.
0: Yeah. Final, final category
1: abductors. So outer hip muscles. Okay. This is s- like a similar little thing to the adductors. Okay. Which is. Probably the best way to strengthen the abductors is not to just try to abduct the femur because we don't actually do that much in life. Like you pretty much never abduct the abductor. So what do the abductors mostly do? They keep the pelvis level when you're on one foot. So the abductors, the abductors, the outer hip muscles, their primary role is when you're walking, to help you with your gait, yeah, yeah, to keep the pelvis level when you pick a foot up off the ground. Mm-hmm. So, the forward facing, especially tree pose, is a crazy good abductor strengthener on the standing leg. So, any like facing forward, standing balance. So utita utitahastaparingusdasana. So if I stand up and I engage my standing thigh, my left thigh, and I bend my right knee into the chest and I straighten my right leg forward, the standing outer hip is working tenaciously. Tree pose, working tenaciously. If you're doing like really slow transitions in and out of gomukasana, even though garudasana. Even though you're going to stretch them, right? Even though you're going to stretch them in the pose, if you have nice, slow transitions in and out of Garudasana, really good strengthening. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. The final thing you can do is the opposite of everything that we did with the adductors. So what did we do with the adductors? We needed something between the thighs to squeeze. So we use the block. So you can do the exact same thing, but by putting a yoga strap around the outside of the thighs. If you put a, if you say you're in Utskatasana and you take your feet and knees hip width apart and you take a, a loop of a strap and you wrap it around the outside of the thighs, instead of squeezing in against the block for the adductors, you press out against the strap you're you're isometrically strengthening your outer hip muscles, your abductors. Mm-hmm. So every single thing that you could do to squeeze the block to strengthen the adductors, you can push out into a strap. Like all the reclined core stuff, pushing out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Utskatasana, pushing out. Side angle pose with the arm and the outside of the knee, pushing out. Mm-hmm. But but I think this, I think those. Facing forward, standing hip openers with standing balances with a focus on on engaging that standing hip muscles. Really, really key. Awesome. I want to say something super quick, which is sometimes, like if this feels like a lot, do it slowly. Just like include a couple of these things regularly. The other thing is, If if a listener had the time and the interest and they wanted to not focus as much on these types of strengthening in their yoga, but if they wanted to do strengthening for these things outside of the yoga practice, then a lot of conventional strength training, like deadlifts, split squats, Clamshells, like there's a lot of supplementary kinds of training that can address this particular demand of the body. So then, yoga we don't have to address the demand,
0: right, 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 right. yeah.
1: And and again, so and and I'm I'm not saying yoga is not enough to strengthen the hip,
0: but there's alternatives. But there are alternatives if you don't want to, yeah, yeah, do locust pose. If you're like, dude, I just want to like
1: stretch and do yin and restorative and that's my jam totally it's all good find that and maybe there's another maybe there's another thing in life couple days a week that you could build some robustness there right yeah
0: yeah i mean when i started doing weight training it actually completely transformed my back bends too so yeah that's another advantage to doing it is if you focus on the strength building your poses get easier your poses get deeper so you have that added benefit as well yep. like you get to you see tangibly the, the the shifts totally all right thanks so much jason thanks for having
1: me Andrea.
0: okay so if you want to join the injuries wait list you can go to learn.jasonyoga.com slash injuries and thanks so much for tuning in as always and until next week enjoy your practice